you have your Bibles, let's open the Word of God to Matthew this morning. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Well, we're finally getting a little rain. We thank the Lord for that. And uh, I've seen folks from several different areas just thanking God for answering prayer and thanking Him for the rain, and we appreciate that. It's been so good uh, just, to, just to see that and experience it again. It's been a while, hasn't it? And uh, that's what we need. We need a little bit more of that. So keep on praying and, and uh, asking the Lord to send it, send it to us. We sure need it. Uh, it's been our privilege for the past couple of weeks now to host a command center here uh, for the firemen and, and uh, the departments that are working out of our facility to manage the area wildfires. And so we're glad to be able to help with that, give them a central location uh, near where they're working to, to meet and operate out of. And so it's a little bit of an inconvenient for us, but uh, we're certainly grateful for the work they're doing and for the way they're uh, managing all of those things. So pray for them, pray for their safety and wisdom as they continue to fight those wildfires and get all of that uh, subdued and under control. And we're certainly thankful for all the people that have come from far away to help out and uh, to, to add support uh, because our resources just weren't enough in the beginning of all this to, to handle that. And uh, we're glad they're, they're getting it down uh, to the final uh, pieces here. So we thank the Lord for their efforts. Matthew chapter 5, if you found your place, we're going to read verse 6 together as a text verse. So if you will stand for the reading of God's word, we'll have prayer, and then we'll read verse 6 together. So let's pray. Father, how we love you today, how we are so thankful, Lord, for your provision. We're thankful, Lord, for the privilege to, to help and host the firemen here in our facility. Thank you, Lord, for their safety and their efforts and all they've done. And Lord, we just pray your blessings upon them uh, for fighting those fires. We pray you just keep them safe. And uh, Lord, we pray you bless our service today as we look into your word and just open our hearts to you. Dear Holy Spirit, we ask you to be our teacher and guide through the scriptures today. And we'd ask you, Lord, to help apply this word to our hearts and our lives. Right where we are in our Christian journey, Lord, I pray you just feed our souls today. Encourage our hearts. Lord, give us the instructions that, that we need today from you. And we just ask you to, uh, Lord, have your way in our hearts and lives and uh, teach us from your word as only you can. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. All right, verse number six, Matthew 5 and verse 6, we have right here in the Beatitudes. Jesus says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. All right, let's read that aloud together. One time. Verse 6, ready? Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. All right, I want to preach on that verse, that thought this morning, a message entitled, A Promise of Fulfillment. Thank you, you may be seated. A Promise of Fulfillment. This is a beautiful passage of Scripture, and, and uh, I invite you later in the week to take time to read the entire chapter. But back up with me just for a moment at these Beatitudes, and let's look at them together. In the midst of this message, this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives these words. The Bible says in verse 2, And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. 
Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which persecute, which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my, for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Jesus reminds us, you're the salt of the earth. And in verse 14, the light of the world. You know, we forget, don't we? Verse 12, Jesus said, rejoice and be exceeding glad. He's talking about when people speak evil of you and, and, uh, and they smear your name falsely and persecute you for his sake. He said when that happens, you know, we get all upset about it. But he said in verse 12, rejoice and be exceeding glad. Why? For great is your reward in heaven. You know, we only think about the earthly side, don't we? We just think about all the stuff that people are going to say and think and how that's going to hurt our reputation and, you know, how, how that's going to affect our lives. And, but, you know, if we don't think about the flip side, if we don't think about what Jesus is trying to, to get our attention on, if we don't think about eternity and the rewards we're going to have in heaven, we could be pretty miserable getting caught up in all the stuff that happens down here. Jesus said, don't worry about what everybody else says and thinks about you for my sake. Just rejoice. He said, because when all that happens and they persecute you for your faith and for your, your, your righteousness, the way you live, he said, rejoice. Great is your reward in heaven. Hey, let's remember that uh, when that happens to us uh, so that we can count our blessings. These are the Beatitudes. They are the blessings. These are the things that Jesus promised to these who fit this description. In verse 6 today, we're looking specifically at what Jesus said about those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. I, I wanted to lift this one topic out of this uh, series here that Jesus is addressing and just talk about this because I believe this is a good uh, overview, if you will. It's, it's a good snapshot of the Christian life. Notice Jesus said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. It's a great promise. Jesus, uh, all of these, is giving us assurances. And in verse 6, he's telling us that, that they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, he said, they shall be filled. It's a guarantee. It's God's guarantee. It's his promise. It's a promise of fulfillment. And you know, if our heart's in the right place, and if we're paying attention to the right things, you and I can experience a great fulfillment here in this life when we follow the Lord Jesus and do what the Bible says. So what does it take to be fulfilled? What does it take to experience this fulfillment of this promise that Jesus is talking about today? I'd like to share a few thoughts with you. First of all, I believe it takes a desire. Notice he said in verse 6, there, there is a condition to this, to this promise. There is a prerequisite to receiving this fulfillment. So what is it? Well, it's a desire. Notice in verse 6 he says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst. You might underline that. He didn't say blessed are ye. He said blessed are they which hunger and thirst. He's talking about those that have a desire. He's addressing those that are hungry. But not just hungry for anything. Hungry for something specific. 
There's a desire in their heart that God is paying attention to. Now, I want to talk about desire for a moment because desires are important in the Christian life. As a matter of fact, God wants you this morning to have right desires in your heart. There are many things that the heart may desire. There are, there are many things that we could crave after. But Jesus said, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. So God wants us to have right desires. God pays attention to the desires that are in our heart. He, he is focused on the things that you and I are, are driven and the things we seek after. God is looking at that. Let me show you a few verses. Look at Psalm chapter 37. The Bible tells us in Psalm 37 and verse number 4 something about the desires of our heart. I'll be there in just a moment. Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Now, you might underline or, or circle the word delight and then do the same to the word desires. And sometimes what I'll do is I'll draw a line connecting those two words together. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he will give thee the desires of thine heart. Now, how are those two words connected? They are the same. When we have the right desires, all right, that causes us to delight in the Lord. When, look, say it like this. When, when we delight in the Lord, then we want for us what God wants for us. And so our delight then becomes the same as our desires. When, we, when our hearts are right with God and we are seeking Him and we're delighting in Him, it affects, it actually changes what we want. I remember one time I heard a man giving his testimony, talked about getting saved and coming to know the Lord, and he said, hey, since my salvation, I want you to know, he said, I've had all the beer I want since I've been saved. I thought, <laughs> what? What kind of testimony is that? And then he said, I haven't wanted any. Isn't that good? What he was trying to say is, when I got saved, God changed my want to. And now it's different. I have new desires. My desires are not the same as they were before. Why? Because this man now had, had been born again. He had, he had received Jesus Christ. He had become a new creature. And he was testifying that God had changed his heart. That's a, that's a testament to biblical salvation. That's what the Bible says will happen. The Bible says if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Behold, all things are passed away and all things are become new. And, and those verbs in that verse are pointing to a progression, a continual process of change. And so, you know, that, that's, that's what it's like. Uh, when, we, when we're saved, we're, we're not instantly perfect, but, but it's the beginning of a process of continual change where we're becoming more and more like the Lord and, and we're more and more desiring the things of God. And as we grow in the Christian life, that ought to be true of us. So that's what happens. The Bible says, delight thyself in the Lord, and then God then is able to give us the desires of our heart. Why? Because they're the right desires. 
And God wants you this morning to have the right desires. Look, I don't know what desires are in your heart today, but I invite you to examine them in light of Scripture. Are the desires of your heart right desires? Are they, are they things that God wants for you? Are they things that, that God can bless you with? When our hearts are right, the answer to that is most often yes. Now look, the flesh still gets in the way sometimes. Sometimes we get a little covetousness in the way, and sometimes we, we, a little pride gets in there. And Every once in a while, we find ourselves having to weed some of those out. We, you know, we, we begin to realize, you know, I don't even think it's right for me to pray for this because this is a fleshly, selfish desire, right? God, give me a million dollars. Come on now. You, you prayed that sometime or another. And, and you know, uh, uh, we have things like that, thoughts that enter our mind, desires that enter our heart, that we know that's not really a God thing. That's not a right desire, Right? But when the right desires come, then God can bless us with those. Let me show you another verse. Look at Colossians with me. Back in the New Testament, Colossians chapter 3. And we're going to look at verse 2. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2. Right, let's back up and catch verse 1 as well. Just for context, Paul is writing here and he says, If ye then be risen with Christ, in other words, if you're saved, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. So he, he's clarifying which above he's talking about. Not just above you. <laughs> Man, I, I, look, I want that boat my neighbor has. <laughs> no, no, no. Not just above you. He's, take, he's talking about way above, heaven above. He's talking about where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. He's trying to say, look, as a believer, seek heavenly things. And then in verse 2, look what he says. Set your affection on things above. Again, which above is this? He's talking about heavenly things. Set your affection on things above, the things of God, the things of his kingdom. He's saying, change your heart's desires and put them on those things. He says, for you're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Powerful passage. So for believers, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to be cultivating desires in our heart toward heavenly things. That is the, the, that is the effort, that is the investment that we make as believers. And as we grow in Christ, we're trying to, it's kind of like an instrument. You know, if uh, we, we've, had the, uh, we've had the groups come and play and, and uh, you know, they play their instruments and all of that. But before they can do that for us, and, and, you know, man, we just love that so well when they come, right? Before they can get up here and play and sing gospel music, guess what they have to do? They have to practice. Not just to learn the words of the songs, but what we don't see them do is we don't see them tune their instruments to each other so that their sound blends and it's in harmony. Right? So the Doucette family comes and they set up, you know, they got a bass and they've got a guitar and they've got a banjo and all this. Well, guess what? All of that has to, the sound has to blend together or it's, it's not going to sound very good. Now we know it, they're able to make it sound really good. They, they do a great job, right? But that's because they've tuned their instruments. 
Their instruments are in tune, but then they tune them to each other to make sure there's a blending of that sound. And then when they get up here and sing, it all sounds so great. Well, you know what? That's what needs to happen in our life. You know what we're doing when we have devotions, when we spend time in the Word of God, when we spend time in prayer, when we're listening in church, we're not just, we're not just sitting here in attendance, hearing a message, listening to somebody talk like, okay, what time is it now? No, no, no. We're supposed to be tuning our heart to His. That is the, one of the big challenges of the Christian life. Tune your heart. I like, the, I like that uh, the songwriter wrote, that song, Come Thou Found. It says, tune my heart to sing thy praise. Hey, you know, our hearts have to be in tune. And the reason why we've got to get our hearts in tune is because when Christ finds us, our hearts are in tune with the world, not with the Lord. And so guess what? In order, in order to get saved and live the Christian life, we've got to change our tune. We've got to get retuned. We've got to tune up. And uh, we've got to get our heart in tune with the Lord. And we've got to learn to value and learn to desire uh, the things that God desires. That's what it's all about. Jesus said, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. He's, talking, he's, he's rewarding that right desire to be hungry and thirsty for the right things. God will honor the desires that are right. Isaiah 44, uh, verse 3. Let's turn over there. Isaiah chapter 44 and verse 3. Notice the word of God says, and this is, this is the Lord speaking. Verse 2, thus saith the Lord. Verse 3 says, for I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thine offspring. Whose offspring? Those who are thirsty. See that? I will pour water on him who is thirsty. He's talking about desire. Hey, let me ask you a question. Do you desire the Lord this morning? Do you desire the things of the Lord? Do you desire the will of God in your life? To know it and to do it? That's where the blessing is. It starts with that desire. Look at Matthew chapter 7. We've been in the book of John. Look at Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7. And uh, we, we kind of talked about this in a, in a message on prayer recently. But in Matthew 7, 7, it says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Again, we, we find a threefold promise here where God is rewarding the, the right behavior. He said, Ask, and it shall be given. Seek, you shall find. Right? Promising again and again. But the promise is to those who have the right desire. The promise is to those who are doing the right thing. Hey, look. If you find yourself unfulfilled in the Christian life, if you find yourself uh, uh, again and again with unanswered prayers, maybe it's because your heart is not yet in tune. Maybe it's because your desires are missing the mark. Double check them again. Go back over. Hey, are they fleshly desires or are they godly desires? What are they? 
Examine them according to the the word of God and the will of God because it starts with a desire. If you want to be fulfilled, you've got to have the desire for the right things. Notice it starts with desire. They that hunger and thirst after righteousness. But that's not all. In order to have that fulfillment, then number two, we see here in Matthew chapter 5 verse 6 that there's not only a desire, but there's a direction. There is a direction. He said in verse 6 of Matthew chapter 5, Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Notice he said that they hunger and thirst, they have the right desire. And how do you know it's right? Because their, their hunger and their thirst is after what? After righteousness. So after righteousness tells us the direction of their desire. Their desire is aimed in the right direction. Their, their, their effort is aimed in the right direction. The things that they want and the effort that they're making to get those things is going in the right direction. How about it this morning? How, what's your direction? Are you, are you thinking, praying? Are you desiring? Are you hungering? Are you working? Are you making effort toward the Lord or toward something else? Sometimes, sometimes we may not even realize it, but it's toward the world. When we desire to fit in and, and, and we use all the latest lingo, right? And we know just how to act with just the right crowd. Sometimes it's because our heart really is over there, not, not where God wants it to be. We have to examine that from time to time because it's easy to drift. The Word of God is what anchors us in the Christian life. It keeps us from drifting in the wrong direction. But if we don't use it that way to help us and be focused on which direction we're going, we can drift in the Christian life. And usually that's drifting away from the Lord and away from what's right and away from righteousness. You know, God wants you to go in the right direction. Isaiah 45, verse 22, the prophet said, Look, or the Lord said through the prophet Isaiah, He said, Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. The direction is toward the Lord. Look unto me and be ye saved. You know, there's a lot of people in this world that'll say, Oh, hell, just believe. That's a false statement. There's a lot of people that believe in a lot of things that are not saved. They're not going to heaven. Their souls are not saved. Their sins are not forgiven. They do believe, but it's, they don't believe in the Lord. See, that's why that verse says, look unto me and be saved. God gives a promise. It's, a, it's directional. Matthew 6, Jesus said, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek ye first who? The kingdom of God. The direction then is toward the Lord and what he wants, his kingdom. You know, sometimes we're more interested in building our kingdom than we are building his kingdom. You know what I'm talking about. And God has to help us get refocused. God has to help us get our heart in tune. We make sure we put first things first. God comes first. And when we have our direction right in the Christian life, guess what? When we have our direction right, our desires can be right. 
If your desires are off, it might be because your direction is off. And, and usually that's because our focus is in the wrong place. God will lead you in the right direction if you will yield your life to him this morning. As a Christian, I know you've come to the Lord and asked to be saved, and I know you've asked him to take you to heaven, but I want to ask you this. Have you ever asked God to take control of your life? Have you ever asked the Lord to lead you? Have you ever asked the Lord to be in charge? You know, we sing a song sometimes almost, it can be blasphemous if we're really, not really serious about it. Jesus, take the wheel. We want him to take the wheel when we're going off the cliff, you know. But as soon as we get back on, on ground, you know, we want to take it back. That's not how it works. What we need to do is just get over in the passenger seat and let Jesus drive. We need to say, Lord, I want to do what you want. I, I want to follow your will. I want to serve you. I want, to, I want to live what the Bible says. And when we do that, then we can get our direction right. Hey, can I tell you this? I've learned that in the Christian life, it's not about perfection. It's about direction. And this morning, my question would be, which direction are you going? Are you going toward the Lord? Or are you like the Israelites who got a little in, un, uncomfortable out in the wilderness, and they turned around and said, Moses, we're going back to Egypt. They were headed toward the world. Egypt, by the way, was a picture of the world. God saved them out of Egypt. And he took them through the wilderness and delivered them into the promised land and promised victory over all their enemies. The promised land in the Bible represents the Christian life, the way we're supposed to live. God is trying to tell us there's a much better life and there's a better way to live life if you do it God's way. And not only does it come with all these blessings, houses you didn't build, vineyards you didn't plant, crops you didn't grow. But he said, guess what? It also includes victory over all your enemies. You don't have to be a slave or servant to sin anymore. God freed you from that. You have the power to say no to that. But just like the children of Israel, they didn't fully conquer the promised land. They, they didn't fully cast out all their enemies. And remember, later those enemies became a thorn in their side. You know, many times our life, is, is, it mirrors that same story of the children of Israel in the wilderness. We, we, we just forget that God saved us from the world, and sometimes we just keep wanting to go back. And I don't know about you, but... When I read the Old Testament story, I, I catch myself thinking, don't you remember why you left? What are you thinking? Why do you want to go back there? There's nothing good back there. Remember what Paul said? He talked about the things that we were saved from. Those are the things that make us ashamed. The sinful lives we lived before we met God, all of those things we're ashamed of after knowing Christ. Why do you want to go back to that? Why do you want to befriend that? Why do you want to head in that direction? Oh, children of God, turn around. God has great things ahead for you. Despite the hardships and the toils and, and, and the inconvenience, despite the lack of provision that you may think there is sometimes, God can make water flow from the rock and God can provide our needs. He can lead us into that promised land and give us victory over all our enemies if we just follow him. 
But you've got to be going the right direction to get there. Jesus promise, promises fulfillment for those with a desire and those going the right direction. Guess what there is in verse 6? There is a delivery. Notice what he said in verse 6. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. That's fulfillment. They are going to get their desire. They're going to have what they want. They're going to achieve their goal. They're going to make it to their destination. That's what he's talking about. Fulfillment. They shall be filled. Wow. Those are great words. Those are words of relief. Those are words of comfort, assurance. But they are also words of power. Because they're spoken by Jesus, who is God. And God is saying, when you hunger and thirst for the right things, He's going to make sure you get it. I'm not talking about material things. Neither was He. He's talking about hungering and thirsting after righteousness. He's talking about tuning your heart with God's. He's talking about wanting things for your life that God wants for you. And when you, when you set your affection on things above, when you tune your heart to His, and you seek those things, He said you will find them. They shall be filled. He didn't say when, but He didn't say if either. He said they shall be filled. This is a delivery. God will deliver on his end if we do what's right on our end. And we can take rest and assurance this morning that this is the promise of God, not the promise of man. You've ever heard someone say, in order to, to remind you that this is truth, they say you can take it to the bank. Well, even banks have been known to fail. That's why there's an FDIC insurance. Well, this message right here you can take to the bank, but this is God's bank. He doesn't need insurance. This is 100% reliable. There's no failure rate. This is 100% every time. When we do what God said, He does what He said. God wants to deliver for you. God wants you to have the victorious Christian life. God wants your heart to be tuned to His. I thought about it. You know, we're, we're coming up in the fall season. And there's a few, there, there's a lot of reasons to be excited about fall and all the events and things that it brings. Hope and I were talking this morning about our anniversary service coming up. Wow, you know, October will be two years. Pastor Beck with Baptist Church. And uh, she said, can you believe we've been driving out here that long? I said, no, actually it's been three because we were coming out here a year before that. And, uh, hey, you know, I was pretty excited. I told her, I said, hey, not only has it been two years, but, but guess what? I made it past Brother Stuckey's prophecy, right? If y'all were with us last year in missions conference, no, year before last, he jokingly said, you know, well, based on the pastors y'all have had in the past, he said, Brother Creel, I give you a year and a half. <laughs> so we laughed. And uh, I told Hope, I said, well, hey, we made it too. So we, we, outla we outlived his, uh, his prophecy there. And uh, hey, that's funny stuff. And, and uh, Brother, Brother Stuckey has a long tenure with our church. So 
you know, he did that in, in jest. Uh, and it's good to have fun. So we're, we're excited about that coming up in the fall. What else comes up in the fall? We know about all the holidays. Hey, deer season comes up in the fall. How many of y'all hunt? I know several of y'all do. All right. Yeah. So, you know, when you're hunting and you and, and that big deer finally walks out, uh, you know, what you want to do is you want to line up your front sight with your rear sight. You get those together and line them up just right. Okay, now you can pull the trigger. Unless you have a scope, then you don't have to worry about that. But you know what I'm saying. Well, you know, that's, that's how it is in the Christian life. When we line up our heart and God's heart, and we get those in tune, then we can pull the trigger and great things happen. Then we can have victory over our enemies. Then we can say no to sin and temptation and the devil and be victorious. But, what, but until our hearts are tuned to His, we're not bringing home the trophy. Does that make sense? So Jesus gave this great promise of fulfillment when He said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You know, I like going hunting when I know I'm going to see something. At least see something, right? <laughs> Kind of makes it fun being out there when you at least see life. I hunted in Arkansas for several years. We saw a couple of deer, but never, never took one. I told the buddy of mine that had been taking me, we'd go out to these places, you know, and this was public land, and, you know, the game wardens manage all that, and you'd go out there and just see deer tracks everywhere. I mean, it was just like herds of them were running loose, but we never saw a deer. After a while of that, I said, you know, bro, I'll tell you what I think. I think that game warden comes out here at night and stamps deer prints all over the ground, so we'll think we're hunting something. <laughs> I said, I don't know how many deer they really got around here, one or two maybe. We keep seeing the same deer. I don't know, but this is getting old, you know. We were joking. Hey, you know, you've got to love just being out there if you're going to do it, and we certainly do. But it is, it is good to know it is good to know you're going to a place where you can take something. And when you come to Matthew chapter 5, you're coming to a place where there's guaranteed victory. When you read verse 6, and he says, they shall be filled, you have God's word on that. God wants this more than you do in your life. He wants your heart to be tuned to his. He wants you to desire the right things, and he wants to grant those things. And God wants you to be filled. I'm telling you, more than you want to be filled. So let's do our part to tune our hearts with His, to have those right desires, to be looking in that right direction so the delivery can be given by our Savior. Amen? Which direction are you going this morning? Let's pray together. Father, how we love you today, how we thank you for your word, and how we thank you, Lord, for these special things, the the most is the Word of God, and Lord, the promise you made here to us that, that there can be victory in our lives. Lord, that gives us more than hope. It gives us assurance. We have heaven's guarantee on it. And I pray, Lord, that would move us and motivate us. That would cause us, Lord, to take action. That it would cause us to change our tune, to tune our heart to your Word and, and to your heart and to your praise. Lord, may we align ourselves with you and have that right direction going on. May we, may we move forward in that direction, Lord, and, and, and find the fulfillment of the things you promised. 
My, how we love you today. How we thank you for all you've done in our lives and all of the answers, all of the promises you've already given. Lord, those are just proofs over and again that you will do the rest if we'll just take you at your word. So help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.